All right, so welcome to another episode of the Baron Report. This, of course, is the podcast that talks about all things innovation in food service, restaurant, and hospitality. Today's a special show because you guys, of course, if you're viewing this, you're checking this out on YouTube. So make sure and drop a like, give us a comment below. This is a little different than our normal Baron Reports. This one is actually in studio. Like most of our podcasts, the difference is, is our guest isn't thousands of miles away. He's literally right in front of me. And with me today, I've got Daniel Cohen, the founder of Bellagosa Wines. Hey, Paul. How are you? Thanks nice. for having me. Nice to see you. Good to be here. Yeah. Yeah. So you've ventured into South Florida right at the uh, beginning of the season, as we call it here in Florida, when all the restaurants are getting the snowbirds coming in. And, you know, of course, that's a perfect time to start doing a wine tour. So is, is that what brought you into the state of Florida? Yeah, absolutely. You guys sell a ton of wine here in Florida, and it is a great time to be down here. It's a yeah. beautiful state. And that peak season, starting to get all the restaurants and the wine list set up for the season is, uh, is a real important part of the business, yeah. especially in the wine business. Sure. Dan, your, your name is uh, like royalty in the <laughs> wine industry. What, uh, let's, for some of our listeners maybe don't, don't know about Cone Wine and, yeah. and kind of the history of what you guys and your family have done in, uh, in, in, in the wine business. Kind of give us a, a breakdown on that. Yeah, it's a pretty unique story. My my father, Bruce Cohn, was the uh, manager, longtime manager of the classic rock and roll band, the Doobie Brothers. Yep. Uh, that's what gave him the uh, money to start a family winery um, that we had in Sonoma, uh, B.R. Cohn, yep. um, for uh, 40 years. And then uh, we uh, sold the family winery after 40 years, so I needed a job. And the only thing I know how to do is make wine. So Bellicosa was born. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Some of the, I mean, growing up in the wine business for you, that had to be just a great experience just there in Napa and that whole environment. One of the things, if you could reach back into your history of, of great wines or great, uh, you know, things that happened there in Napa, because as it was being birthed, really, your your father was one of the ones that helped kind of bring it to the forefront. Anything that sticks out in your mind? Oh, man, there was just a ton. I mean, when my father started the winery in, you know, 84, I think there was like 100 wineries in California. Oh, my gosh. You know, now there's, I think, over 4,000 yeah. or something. So it was a real unique time, you know. It was uh, artistic freedom and creativity and perseverance was right. kind of the benchmark for winemakers, you know, and there was a strew of celebrity winemakers that came through B.R. Cone, whether it was Helen Turley or Mary Edwards or mm -hmm. Steve McCrosty, which were, you know, firsthand unique experiences for me growing up, you know, being a cellar rat and, uh, and then having the music tone at the same time, yeah. you know, was that kind of wine being like a hit song, you know, oh, okay. you know, and, uh, and uh, there's a whole story, you know, my father bringing home demo records and whatnot and, yeah. and having to pick the hit song. And when he managed uh, Night Ranger and Bruce Horn's band Ambrosia in the, in the 80s, when the Doobies broke up from 82 yep. to 88. Yep. So um, wine industries, it's interesting, you know, it's you've seen it take on so many shapes and uh, and uh, accessibility wise. The, the key, I think, that came out of that is, you know, Cabernet and Bellicosa being the beautiful thing and the experience of what happens when you drink the wine. But then it's the having a Cabernet or a great Cabernet, but a Cabernet in reach. Yeah. You yeah. know, and that's what's important as I think we see uh, things moving forward in the wine business. Sure. Making the, 
the best possible wine at the best possible price. All right, so with uh, Napa kind of being the epicenter of the wine business, obviously we've seen some movement with European wines, Australian, South American. What are some of the things that Bellicosa was trying to do when you guys launched and brought out what you're doing in the market space? What was kind of your focus of, hey, this is our one thing that's gonna make us different? Yeah, well, Bellicosa means beautiful thing. And my whole thing was, you know, sharing wine with friends and family creates wonderful moments and lasting memories. And yeah. wine to me is kind of the subtle force that brings everyone together so that making a Cabernet, and to me, it's got to look like a hundred, drink like a 50 okay. and be 25 bucks. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's a great one. It's getting, you know, I mean, there could not be a Napa cab under 50 bucks in five years. Right. It's, you know, it's so expensive, the real estate, the winemaking practices. And so making an affordable Cabernet in reach that over delivers for the price point, yep. that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you've brought some wine on set today, so mm -hmm. uh, we have to drink something. Absolutely. So what are we gonna be pouring well, here? First, you're gonna have our uh, regular um, North Coast, Bellicosa Cabernet. Okay. This is the uh, 2015 vintage. I like um, that. Perfect. Yeah, this is, uh, and then you'll have our Oakville Reserve next. Okay. You go ahead, I've had it before. All right, great, thank you. Yeah. And the, uh, you know, there's, there are two different price points on the wine, but I think an important thing is Bellicosa, I really launched nationally, I wanted to buy the glass mm -hmm. in as many restaurants as possible to get the name out there. Sure. And then came back with the Oakville Reserve as a thank you for everybody that supported us on the launch okay. of regular Bellicosa. So making a, it should complement the meal, but yeah. you shouldn't have to have it with food. So making an approachable Cabernet for, if you're not a Cabernet drinker, maybe you only drink Pinot. Even I've had some experiences recently with people that say they don't drink red wine and like Bellicosa because of that approachability, because of that longing for the second glass, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. complements the meal. And then for the wait staff who are the conduit right, yeah, to the life experience for that individual dining in that restaurant, yeah. They go, hey, you like that Bellicosa you're having at the bar? How'd you like to try a bottle of Oakville Reserve? Hmm. So this one has, um, you're right. That I mean, the body of it, the the unique, I think the flow, like you're saying, it's kind of like a, a not just a one glass wine. This is one of those that you could really enjoy all night. So. My key word, I think, was, Paul, was a balance, right? Okay. To me, it's got to have a... A beginning, a middle, and an, an end, end. Yeah. you know, and it's not too jointed, you know, disjointed. It is not too sweet on the front, not too tannic on the back end, but just that nice yeah. overall lush and uh, and uh, flavor profile. Yeah. There's a lot of disjointed wines out there where it might be too really sweet in the beginning and then maybe real tannic in the end and not has a middle. Yeah. This kind of has a... Um, it's like a, a, a sweet melody all the way through. Yeah, I was looking at your story on the website, which I thought was kind of interesting how you guys have brought, which by the way, great job on what you guys do. Because so many wine websites are difficult to navigate for just an average chef or a restaurant guy that's trying to put a wine list together. They need to learn like fast. <laughs> right. What is it that this wine does? Well, you know? well thank you. I wanted, <laughs> you know, Bellicose is more of the lifestyle and the experience of what takes place when you're drinking the wine. So I said on the website, I said, listen, I don't want to see a picture 
picture of a dude standing in a vineyard. I like it. Yeah, <laughs> I think exactly. Only, I think right. The only picture of the dude standing in the vineyard was when I was three, just to show that I was born and raised in the vineyard. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right? but, now, I didn't realize that you guys had a wine club. Um, join the club. Yeah, there yeah. you go. There okay. you go. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, all right. So as you are building the Bellicosa brand itself and you're trying to reach kind of this next evolution of chefs and operators that are out there that are really kind of setting the stage for these new millennial diners, which are in many cases experiencing wine for the first time. Uh, so you're right. I think the, the timing is right because it's not always the deep pockets that you're going to be serving that are the masses of the restaurant industry right now. Millennials are pretty much kind of the focus of what everybody's trying to do. Was that part of the strategy with going to market? Yeah, the I mean, being the 90 percent on premise, you know, chefs, they put it out every day. Yeah. Right. And and then servers, whether they know and the millennials or whatnot, are that conduit. I mean, they are, right. from my perspective, the bridge that gets it from the bottle mm -hmm. to the consumer's mouth, you know, and chefs, you know, they put it out every day. We miss on a vintage, though. You're in it <laughs> for a couple of years, right? You can you put out a, a chicken dish, you can make it up the next night but right. if yep. it missed, right? So you got to do one thing great. And then, um, you know, educating the, the, the servers, yep. it should enhance the overall experience. Sure in that restaurant for that chef and for the customer. How do you go about that? Because that's one of the, I think one of the big challenges of the wine industry, any, really any of the beverage industry is getting the servers and the staff in a, a lot of the restaurants and or multi-unit brands. When you look at casual uh, dining, which has started to open up some of these kind of just under upscale dining, you know, kind of experiences. Matchbox is a good example of their, what they've done. Um, we, and we're seeing more uh, places even like Cooper's Hawk, you know, mm -hmm. which is part mm -hmm. winery and part mm -hmm. restaurant. So they themselves are really, you know, serving this new industry. How are you going about educating those servers and, and kind of that whole staff approach? Well, there's two things. One is I pride myself on being the most accessible winery principal okay. out there on the road. And, you know, there's, I, I say not everybody can make it to the wine country, right. but I yeah. really like to bring the wine country to them. Sure. And so you rely on your wholesale partners, you rely on your marketing team to translate that bellicosa message into, because there are, there's so many brands and so many wines and there's very little time and to actually get that mind share. Yeah. But if you can do enough wait staff trainings and trainings, whether it's through your marketing arm or your wholesale partners or even myself personally, give them a connectivity to a wine brand that they don't have right. with any other wine brand. Yeah. And that's the key. I mean, you know, I would like the servers to actually hit the table and go, here, try my buddy Dan's wine. And this is exactly like uh, the music industry. Yeah. If you think about yes, it, 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 of old. It is. How they tried to get their music to the masses was they played one hick, one horse towns. Right. And going into these little dusty bars and places that really connected with whoever was hanging out in mm -hmm. that area. And then how do you get the radio play? Yeah, exactly. Right. And that groundswell. Yeah. That whole organic. So you're using music tactics in the wine industry. <laughs> I just figured it out. <laughs> yeah. And being on the road 300 yeah. days a year. There you go. Literally. Yeah. I flew in from Denver yesterday. Yes. <laughs> you know. So enough yeah. of that. If you travel mm -hmm. around, 
you get a chance to get in the ears of chefs and psalms and you know the GMs of these locations. Mm -hmm. They start to take a look at at what you guys are doing. Yeah. What is the one thing that when you are working with them, you want them to take away from understanding what Bellicosa is? Well, I think if you can couple that with um, the quality of the wine, okay. if you can, if that that's what transcends, right? Yeah. So you do the best you can, right? You make the best possible wine at the best possible price. But until the consumer drinks it and starts sharing it back with you. Yes. So now I'm getting posts uh -huh. or I'll get emails or text messages or info on the website. And people will be like, we were out to dinner in L.A. Uh, we were at go. this great restaurant. We were going to the theater. We were with all of our friends. We had a bottle of your wine. Your wine was the highlight of our evening. I swear you need to get some new friends or go see a better <laughs> show. Like, how is the wine the highlight of the evening? Right, yeah. But it's those testimonials that come from the marketplace yeah. that keep you going on the road. Yeah. Right? Well, that's good from the consumer standpoint, too, because that's going to bring them back to the chef or restaurant that introduced them you to, know, that. to that experience. What was the beautiful thing that they experienced that night? Yeah. That's cool. That's a great, yeah. uh, a great move. Okay, so you've been a winemaker for quite a while. So when you look at, you know, some of the technologies that are happening in the wine business today, um, the whole approach toward technology being used, strategies towards growing, things of that nature, anything that you're seeing in terms of trends that are really affecting your business? Well, I mean, it's... It, tough to differentiate yourself. You have to differentiate yourself with a different message out there because there are large companies out there that throw yeah. yep. brands mm -hmm. into the marketplace every day. So how do you differentiate yourself and have a different story and a different quality product? You know, so there's, you somewhat have to be a little bit like the fox that goes between the elephant's legs a little bit to right. get your, your story and your message. And get the consumer to be able to have an affinity for your brand. Um, so there's a lot of, you know, to me, it's been that straight bootstrap sure. mentality and being yeah. on the road and just, you know, being and touching as many consumers as I can and being in as many markets as possible yeah. so that I can give them access to something either they haven't seen before or haven't had before because it, it's a little bit different method. Yeah. Anything unique about your growing area where you guys are located there? Yeah, well, yeah. What I do is I have long-term contracts with all of our growers. So we take the best okay. from Napa, right. Alexander, and Sonoma. I think the process in which I go through to ensure that the wine is going to over-deliver for the price point is what's important. Yeah. So before we bottle, we do a blind competitive set tasting Okay. where I take... 10 wines in the price point and six wines that are double the price. And uh, then I take the best Napa palettes that I know mm -hmm. and put them in a room together and have them do a blind competitive set Just tasting. taste it out. Exactly. And it has to tie with two of the wines that are double the price. And uh, okay. once it ties, then I'll identify a vineyard that we'll put an additional lot just to spike it, to get it over the top, right. just to ensure. Mm. So then I know when I go to market yeah. that I can, you know, compare and beat most anything in the price point, 
but that I can stand up with things that are double the price. Yeah, absolutely. And that is the value add for the restaurant as well. I think that's a great model too. To, to Was that something you've been working on or was that something? That's what I've done since the first vintage of Bellicoso. We're just rolling into the third vintage. Okay, great. I mean, I can tell you that it's great. I can tell you that the vineyard sources, <laughs> but I'd rather have the best winemaking yeah, palettes sure. that I know and then test it against what's out there in the market. Right. Yeah. And that's the process. Which you've got, obviously, the some of the vineyards there in Napa, I mean, there's some strong, uh, some strong competition out of California and, and even some of the ranges like Willamette, you know, which is doing some tremendous work with the Pinot side, which is winning a lot of hearts. Kind of your thought on consumers and where those trends are going, because you've seen Pinot that has, you know, Cab has kind of been that that one staple that's always such a standard of almost every great menu, whether you're a seafood or a steakhouse, doesn't really matter. A great cab is always going to be there. Uh, Pino started making this move about a, a year or a dozen years ago. Mm-hmm. They've they got that good market position and then Rosé comes in. Anything you're seeing from a consumer standpoint in terms of wine trends? Well, Cabernet just, I believe, surpassed um, Chardonnay yep. as the most popular. I think what was done with Pinot over a decade ago, where, and the guys did very, very well, got a lot of people drinking, prob- yeah. drinking, yep. drinking red wine, yep. right? And so the most, I think the wine aisle or the wine menu can be pretty intimidating. Sure. What I try to do to tell people and to alleviate a lot of that is to say, look, you know what you like? That's the most important thing. Yeah. So when somebody walks by me, whether I'm at a tasting in a, in a store or at a restaurant, and they say, I don't drink red wine. Uh. So then you have to try Bellicosa. Uh. And I've had, you know, they go, wow, thank you for finding me a red <laughs> wine that I like. Yeah. Or you know, one woman had bought a couple bottles and then the store called me and said she came back the next day and bought a case and she didn't drink red wine. Interesting. Yeah, well, good. you're right. The, the complexities on a menu can be a little bit overwhelming, especially for someone new to market. You know, maybe it's their first time they've bought a bottle of wine at a restaurant and, and that in itself is usually, hey, this is, you know, I want it to be right. You know, I'm a first date or maybe it's, you know, early on in that relationship. So that's uh, that's a huge, you know, factor in, in being able to do it. So it's good that you guys are bringing that. You, know, you raise a good point, Paul, that when they have that glass of wine, it may be something they've never heard of and they're taking a chance on that. Exactly. And then when that chance happens, it's like, bam, hopefully it over delivers and yeah. takes care of it. Yeah. And now they're a Bellicosa drinker for life, probably. Kind All right. So what am I tasting here? This next one? That's the Oakville Reserve. Okay. That we only made about uh, 400 cases. It was a, a, a that's a two years, all new French oak, year in the bottle. Um, it's uh, 97% cab. This is great. I knew you had expensive taste. This is really good. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's the. Uh, that's is this a- out of out of uh, run right now? I mean, you're done with it, or? Oh no! Well, no, it's, no, left. we're just releasing it. Oh, just releasing it. Just okay. releasing it. No, you're good. They have. There's uh, some out there. <laughs> they have 14 six packs in the state, so get it now. <laughs> okay, get it while it lasts. Right, right. 14 six packs in the in the entire state of Florida. <laughs> That's all you give to us? No, if you want some more, we can steal it from Texas if okay. you want. They might right. not need all that. Easy on the all Texas right. deal. <laughs> I still have friends there. <laughs> Texas is a great state too. That's a that's a wine. Well, let's talk about that wine drinking overall. You you're making kind of your countrywide tour here with Bellicoso. What are you seeing state to state in terms of consumption? Is it up where? Where do you feel like the the hotbeds yeah, are? Yeah, it's great. You know, you can see. I mean, people are drinking better. You know, yeah. people are wanting to drink better. It seems to be. I always say, you know, a lot of people are telling me. They go, look. Uh, you're my highest glass pour <laughs> price, but you're my number one seller. 
right? And even okay. in markets that overconsume for the size of the state. Uh-huh. You know, we're, I mean, it's great. I go to, I go everywhere. You know, I'm on the road, you know, close to 300 days a year, if not more. Wow. Yeah. And spreading the joy a bottle at a time. All right. So you got to give me a city. Give you a city. Um, Because we're always looking for that trend, that bubble that usually kind of starts to break out. hmm. That's really showing some movement in In, terms uh, of, think of consumption. You know, so what? I mean, I was just up in, in Michigan. Oh, okay. You know, and, and Detroit and outside of Detroit, you know, I was up in Wisconsin. You know, and yeah, and they're drinking, you know, $15 glass. No problem. You know, these were markets that were predominantly like, oh, you know, like yeah. seven ninety nine, right, right. maybe yeah. fourteen ninety nine is our sweet spot. Yeah. But I feel it's like if you build it, they will come. You know, it's interesting. They're like, hey, we don't need any Oakville Reserve. But then you go and they like we get 26 packs, you know. Sure. Those were things that took place yeah. in these in these markets that we were kicking off recently. Hmm. And that's the thing. I just want to be the one that I want to be the wine, wine that you don't drink a glass of. I want to be the wine you drink a whole bottle of. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I love the fact of what you guys are trying to do in terms of making it approachable. There's a lot of, of that happening in the culinary industry right now. Chefs who are taking their you know full fine dining and bringing it into that kind of approachable, casual or even fast casual concept. Um, have you and we've seen some movement of wines making it into those fast casual elements, kind of those upscale almost counter service type, Mm -hmm. but yet they're now serving bottled wine Mm -hmm. and just started seeing this uh, in some of the markets like out west in Colorado and San Francisco uh, where that is moving on. And uh, interestingly enough, 11 to $18 bottle or uh, glasses of wine Mm -hmm. still at a price point that is a $9 menu item. Exactly. So that's a very interesting dynamic. People wanting to drink better. Yeah. You know, that's what, whether they serve it for an entree is that you're giving them that choice. I always say, if you pour them a $9 glass, they're drinking $9 glass. If you pour a $14 glass, the pretty good chance they're going to drink a $14 glass. Yeah, sure. You know, but it, the wine, and that's the, up to the chefs or who runs the front of the house, is that giving them that access point, Yeah. you know, and over delivering for that price. As you as you move throughout the industry and you're working with Psalms and, you know, the GMs that are putting these wine lists together for their restaurants or their businesses, is there any been any big challenge that they've kind of addressed to you about dealing with the consumer public is wine by the glass on the rise are is bottle sales up are they trying to open up the the gambit of what's available what are you seeing the the most that i see and i'm not i'm out there quite a bit i don't know you know who's out there more than i am but the most one that i hear is it which is interesting is the reduction in focus on appellation Oh, okay. Okay, so, you know, Napa Cab, Napa Cab, right, Napa right. Cab. Yeah. When you see these wines that are, if the wine's really, really good and it's over-delivering for the price point, mm. that it's good for the consumer. And I've seen that Appalachian has become less and less yeah. um, important to the restaurants because they're, maybe they're not able to get a Napa Cab for under $20 sure. to pour by the glass. Yeah, And so this theme of, and their and their challenge is to find a wine that you know and the consumer i don't see them as concerned with you know napa appellated wines yeah you know yeah. it's you know now it's, so we're at this kind of momentum shift where if the wine's really really good mm-hmm. and it over delivers for the price point it doesn't yep. matter where it comes from yeah yeah you know 
Which that would kind of lend itself to the strength of where we're seeing some of these hot pockets of that are well outside of Ca California mm -hmm. that are developing, you know, strongholds on wine menus. Yeah. You know, that are really all over the place, whether it's South American or European wines or, or Willamette or yeah. you name it. Opens up all those areas yeah. and actually grants the consumer a larger, broader access point. Yeah. Even yeah. if it's at the highest level, whether right. it's the huge restaurant chains that are challenged with finding yep. one, hopefully they are able to come and find something that um, will will replace that yeah. at a non-Appalachian specific, you know, I mean, you know, California is probably the most popular Appalachian next to Napa. Right, right. right. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. All right, Dan, well, it's been great having you here on the Baron Report and learning a little bit about Bellicosa and what you guys are doing in the industry. I love your approach to go to market with uh, kind of the restaurant industry and what, uh, what you're bringing to the market. This one, definitely my favorite, the reserve. Uh, yeah. so <laughs> it's kind of unfair. It's only, it's only three times the price. It's yeah. okay. That one, uh, but thanks for having me. Well Paul. worth it too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I appreciate it. All right. So for those of you who've been listening in, whether you're checking us out on YouTube or maybe you're over on Spotify or iTunes, make sure and leave a comment below on YouTube and hit us up on iTunes just by maybe giving us five stars. That would be really great. Uh, you can also check this show out if you are looking at foodabletv.com and make sure and listen in hopefully in 2019 we've got a ton of new uh, content rolling out in our podcast plan including another wine show and this is hopefully just the beginning of more wine content right here on foodable network uh, thanks for listening in on another episode of the baron report